I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and 21st Century Equipment sits down with Glenn Brinbaum, a CPA in East Peoria, Illinois, with Heinhold Banward. Before we head over to their conversation, I wanted to invite you to join us this August 4th through 5th at the Dealership Mind Summit in Omaha, Nebraska. Based on the feedback of past attendees, our Dealer Advisory Board, and the Dealership of the Year alumni group, we're bringing back the focus on used equipment remarketing. Space is limited for this dealers-only event. Register today at dealershipmindsummit.com. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. And by subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey and Glenn dig into the COVID-19 stimulus package and some of the tax benefits for dealerships and an expansion of the existing Small Business Administration Loan Program. Glenn, how you doing this morning, man? Not too bad, Casey. Glenn has a daily spot here in the Moving Iron Podcast here in the last about a oh, couple weeks here that with all this tax stuff that's going on and all the legislation that's coming out. There's a lot of information that is coming out of Washington right now and, and different stimulus packages and just all kinds of great stuff for going on. So, Glenn, you had a whole laundry list of stuff come out that you want to talk about before we got going, and I had uh, I got writer's cramp trying to get all that stuff written down before you before yeah. you had it all come out. But let's kick off here I've a little got, bit. I've got the whole 880-page bill. Okay, so we got plenty. So, yeah, yeah, we got yeah. this is endless amount of time, so don't worry about it. We can go page by page. It's amazing to have 888 pages or whatever it is for a bill that's just supposed to be delivering a few thousand dollars just to the American people, but somehow they got to get uh-huh. 800 and some pages out of that. But that's another debate for another time. Uh-huh. But let's start, let's start here a little bit. So one thing you brought up, there's two things you brought up that I really want to spend some time on, and obviously we'll hit some other things too, but the biggest one is employment taxes and, and how that's going to work. So basically you're saying there's a, a half now, half later, or half later and half even later um, kind of <laughs> approach to how they're going to pay that. So talk about that a little bit and then how that works out in this bill. Yeah, uh, and so we always we should timestamp this. This is about eight eight thirty a.m. on Thursday. Now we are trying to give you know general advice here. Obviously, always talk to your tax advisor on these things. We're trying to hopefully give just some ideas, some thoughts to your listeners. But you know, you should always verify this with your specific tax situation. So okay, so yes, there is a delay in the employer payroll tax for twenty twenty. So our understanding is the. 6.2% Social Security tax. Now, this is just the employer side. Would not be due. So any any Social Security tax through December 31st of 2020, you do not have to remit that. Typically, you know, you got to remit that, you know, every week or every month or whatever, you know, depending on your payroll and stuff. But you'd be able to pay half of it, 50% of it by December 31st of 2021 and the other half by December 31st of 2022. So that's what you said later and even later, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got 18 months starting today to pay half of my 2020 employment tax, and I have another, yeah, basically another 12 months on top of that to uh, get there. So yes. 36 months later, I've I've paid my 2020 employment taxes. Yeah. Now you know we'll we'll see how the forms work, but you know if how this exactly works, but you know they'll they'll have to deal with all this. But yeah, that's that's what it looks like in the in the bill. And this is the other thing is the Senate did pass the bill overnight. Um, I believe it was 96 to zero. Uh, everyone's expectation is the house will, uh, vote on it, uh, for sure by tomorrow. And so, you know, we're, we're assuming this is law. So yeah, this employer payroll tax, the 6.2% also would apply to self-employed individuals as well. So 
uh, it's only the employer's share. So when you're self-employed, right, you're paying for both sides. So it's, it's, it's a little bit complex, but, you know, obviously, hopefully there'll, there'll be a lot more guidance, but, but you'd have the same kind of concept as you wouldn't have to, you know, next April, April, 2021, you wouldn't have to pay all of your self-employment tax. Um, it's what it's looking like, but so again, there'll be more guidance, but in effect, it's kind of an interest-free loan from the government on 6.2% of your payroll. That's a big deal, man. That's that's a, for a lot of people. That's a that's a very big deal. So, the other one I want to talk to you a little bit about too is the SBA loans and what they have going on there. So, it looks like there's going to be some deferment of payments out there a little bit, and then there's uh, another program out there where if you do the right things, it's it's forgiven. I guess is kind of what I'm yeah. reading here. So, give us a little background on that. This is, in my mind, probably the most important thing for for small businesses that's in the that's in the bill hasn't got just a ton of press, but it's really an expansion to an existing SBA loan program, Small Business Administration, Section 7A, if you want the technicals code section there in the, in the SBA. So it's just an expansion of this, but it's it expands it by about $350 billion. And basically it allows for small businesses to be able to get a loan from, really it's, it's from a bank, but the SBA or the government is guaranteeing 100% of it. So I believe typically the the government will back 85% of the loan, but in this case, they're going to back 100% of it. So this is more from, from the bank's perspective here. You know, that it's 100% guaranteed by the government. But banks are familiar with, with doing these loans. They have generally have, you know, specialists that, that do SBA loans. So I think the thought process here is that the money can get out pretty quick because it's not, it's not under the, um, I believe it's Section 7B is like the disaster relief kind of SBA loans. That's that's kind of a different animal. This is more of the traditional kind of bread and butter Section 7A loans. So basically, there are some, some limitations. You generally got to have under 500 uh, employees, full-time equivalent employees, although there are exceptions to that. Um, it does apply to sole proprietors as well. It applies to for-profit businesses. It also looks to me like it applies to nonprofit businesses like your 501c3 organizations. So it's really pretty, pretty broad. And it's, um, you know, one of the certifications is that, you know, you, there's uncertainty of economic conditions in your business and it makes necessary, you know, to get this money. So it's kind of a fairly generic uh, requirement. Now, the one thing that was put into the bill in the last, uh, I guess, the last two days, they put in a little section that kind of is the, the banks are supposed to give priority to certain types of small businesses, okay? This, you know, so kind of what I said before was was what was in the bill, you know, the 500 and that. But now there's even a narrower scope to this, although it's just guidance, it's just like priority, give priority to these types of businesses. So what are they? Uh, the first one, underserved and rural markets, okay? So I think this was fought for pretty hard to try to get something more for the, for the rural, rural areas, the underserved areas. So that's, that's one of them. Give priority to, you know, veterans in the military, to socially and economically disadvantaged uh, business owners. Um, or I think you maybe could interpret that just to, you know, employees that are, that are in that business. Uh, women is also in there. And then it also <laughs> says businesses that are uh, in operation less than two years. So the question in my mind is how how narrow does this scope it? Again, since I've been following it, I know that this was not in the bill originally. So they have narrowed it to some degree, but you know, the rural markets are still in there. 
Um, but it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, how the bank or the SBA monitors this, but that's kind of the, who's eligible for this program. Okay. Yeah. There's the, the rural America thing. That's, that's going to be a, a big boost to some of these folks, especially with uh, what we're seeing happen right now. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah. all these little businesses in these little bitty towns are, are struggling just because of the whole stay at home yep. thing and everything else that we got yep. going on. So, that'd be so here's one other thing just, just to kind of piggyback on that is originally the bill, this is the bank, the bank would get like a 5% fee for doing this loan, you know, no matter the loan size, that was what the bill was originally. Now the, the bill that passed last night, it says it's 5% fee for a loan up to 350,000. Okay. Now, then, when you go from a loan from three hundred fifty thousand to two million, the fee drops to three percent. So again, I, presumably the bank would be less inclined to make to do that. You know, possibly if if they've got sufficient loan demand. And then for any loan over two million, the fee drops to one percent. So uh, again, in trying to encourage loans of three hundred fifty thousand dollars or less would be would be my take on it. But it is more paperwork, right? If you got to do you know ten loans or Right, ten loans mm-hmm. of three hundred fifty thousand, or just one loan at three and a half million. But but they are trying to to really make it applicable to smaller businesses. Right on. Okay. All right. So you got eight hundred pages there in front of you, Glenn, and you spent all night reading that, so you could be prepared for the Moving Iron podcast here. But what what else is out there that you think is worth mentioning here? Yeah. Well, let's keep let's keep talking about the SBA because this, okay. this is um, so. This is just we've just talked about eligibility. And so now how big of a loan can I get or what, what's this mean? Basically, you can look at your average monthly payroll cost for like the last 12 months. And, and payroll is defined, of course, and we're still trying to parse through the details, but it looks like it's wages, health insurance, retirement. It would not be like the federal payroll taxes. It does not appear. But it's basically your average monthly payroll, te- payroll cost times, two, times 2.5. So if you just simplify, and this is dangerous when you do this, but if, if a month has four weeks, right, if you take that times two and a half, I believe that's 10 weeks. Right. So basically your maximum loan amount is kind of 10 weeks of your payroll. Okay. So that's, that's your maximum loan amount. Um, it is, there is an overall cap of $10 million, um, but that probably won't come into play very often given the, given the scope of this. So, um, and people making over 100000 in salary, don't don't. Once you go over a hundred thousand, it doesn't count towards that number. Okay. Okay. So ten weeks of your payroll is effectively funded by this loan if you can, you know, if you can get it. Okay. So now, what are the other terms? Um, there's no personal guarantees. It's, it, this the loan is entirely non-recourse. There's a typical requirement uh, that the business is unable to obtain credit elsewhere. That's typically what's part of the SBA loan. That part of the act is waived. That does not come into play, so that's going to be easier to get the loan. Uh, it looks like it's a 10-year maturity. The maximum interest rate is 4%. You don't have to make any payments for, for at least six months on this loan, so that, that's interesting. And then there, if you do prepay it, typically there's a prepayment penalty on, a, on an SBA loan. There's no prepayment penalty either. We'll get back to Casey and Glenn in a moment, but first a quick reminder about the Dealership Mind Summit. Remarketing managers and top dealership management won't want to miss this two-day intensive on used equipment remarketing. Visit dealershipmindsummit.com today to register. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Glenn continue to talk about the SBA loan provisions as well as other aspects of the aid package, including the individual stimulus payments. 
That's kind of the gist of this, but, but we're saving the, the biggest part here for last, and you, you touched on it, is there's this forgiveness concept, is that the loan can be forgiven in certain circumstances, and that's, that's really the big deal here. You, you kind of like getting a loan forgiven, right, Casey? I love that. That's great. So, Forgive all my loans. It'd be great. There you go. Okay, so what you do then is there's several things here, but you look at your, basically you look at eight, the eight-week period after you get the loan. That's kind of your testing period here to, to see, did you spend the money properly? And so you look at eight weeks. Now you might think, well, wait a minute, if my loan is based on kind of 10 weeks of payroll and only have eight weeks to spend it, right, I probably won't get all of my loan forgiven. You know, that would, maybe only 80% is going to get forgiven. Well, what they threw in is they start with payroll costs during that eight-week period post-closing of the loan, but then you get to add in things like interest on existing debt, debt that was there before you borrowed this money, uh, rent and utilities, uh, which would include like internet and different things like that. So the bottom line is they throw a lot more things into that eight-week period. And so probably, you know, in a lot of cases, the loan could potentially be 100% forgiven due to the mechanics. You know, this is a $350 billion program. It's designed, I believe, to get money quickly to small businesses. Uh, the banks are going to be, you know, they're going to get hit a lot with, with, with requests on this. And then, yeah, the, it does say this, if it is forgiven, it's income tax-free. You don't typically on the debt, so there's different rules around this, but sometimes if you get, you know, loans forgiven, you have to actually pick that up as income. But um, in this case, it's to be tax-free. Okay. So you just talked about, a few things that, that in that eight-week period, which you could spend it on, you know, interest on existing debt, rent, utilities, payroll, obviously. Yeah. That's kind of what this is geared toward to kind of make sure yep. it's going. Is there anything else that you could spend that money on besides what you've already mentioned? Um, not to, not that I'm aware of, no. Is it I mean, just for that then? Is that is that just what they yeah. want you to spend it on? Yeah, and again, it's this is the test for it to be forgiven, right? So right. If, if, you don't spend, if you don't have quite enough costs, then it just kind of converts to a, a original, you know, a traditional loan at that time. But if you want it to be 100% forgiven, um, you know, you've got to spend it on these things. And then there's, there, you know, there's going to be documentation and, you know, you're going to have to provide canceled checks and all sorts of things. So right. now there is one other part of this, which which is the reason it, it, it passed, is that there's a requirement that you even, so let's say you did spend all the money properly, you know, in that eight-week period. You also then have to keep people employed right. through June 30th. And there's a, you know, different calculations of what your reference period is, but you look at like your number of full-time employees. And the point of this is to keep people on your payroll, right? Because obviously if you get an interest-free loan and even better, it's forgiven, you know, they want you to keep these people on payroll. So that is part of it. And it's through June 30th um, right now. So, you know, could that change later on possibly, but and there, there's special rules in there about rehiring people. I think there's something about if maybe you did have to lay somebody off because of customer demand, but you know maybe if you rehire them back by June 30th, uh, it might work. So there, there's a lot of criteria in there, but the concept is you keep these people on your payroll, and um, you'll get this you'll get this loan. And it's I did I said interest free. I mean it's technically it has an interest rate four percent. You know you don't have to make any payments. For six months um, at least, but then if you know if you spend it properly, then it'll, it'll be forgiven. 
Okay. So this is a really big deal on the SBA side. The other thing that I just was reading the bill this morning, if businesses that I'm sure some of your listeners have an existing small business administration loan already, it appears that, and again, check, you know, your lender, check, check with them once this bill becomes law, but it appears that you may not have to make any payments on that existing SBA loan for a period of uh, six months. So that, okay. that could be helpful too. Um, again, this we'll, we'll get all this clarity, but that's, that's what it appears to be uh, my read of the bill. That's some good stuff, man. There's a good opportunity for some people to really take advantage of this and, and kind of get a, get a leg up, especially if they're struggling right now to keep things rolling. For sure. So what else is in that bill that you want to talk about? Yeah, so let's talk a little more specifically. We've touched on it. There's going to be these individual stimulus payments. And right now, you know, what the text is showing is it's going to be $1,200 per person. So, you know, it'd be $2,400 if married. And then you'd get $500 uh, for each child under the age of 17. Okay. It's based on, based on your 20, it's, this gets kind of confusing. It could either be based on your 2018 or 2019 income, but it'll ultimately be actually based on your 2020 taxable income. Um, and there are some phase outs of eligibility. Um, once, once you start going over about 75,000 for single and 150,000 for married, it starts getting phased out, but there's even different thresholds um, depending on how it works. It's so if you don't have kids, I believe it would phase out once you're at like 198,000 for married. If you do have like say a couple kids, I think it could be you know more like 218,000. So they're you know we're still working through some of the math on this, but the bottom line is $1,200 per person, $500 per child under age 17. Just hypothetically, my wife and my three kids, so I'm going to get forty five hundred bucks. That sounds right. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, and it should come through. You know, your direct deposit. If you if you do have a direct deposit, you know, if, basically if the if the IRS has your banking account information, they would send it that way. Otherwise, they'll have to write checks. So, well, that'll be cool. I get something. I get an incoming instead of an outgoing to the IRS. That's cool. That'll be a yes. first time, Glenn. <laughs> there you go. So all kinds of yeah, first so that's, here. That's a that's definitely a big a big uh, big deal. It's I think I think they're putting I think it's being estimated at about five hundred billion. So you know I said three hundred fifty billion for those small businesses. This is about five hundred billion, I believe. I don't know how they actually compute this, but I guess they can do it. So yeah, that's that's a big deal. We did talk about the fact that you 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 are able to pull out a hundred thousand dollars out of your retirement account tax penalty free if you're you got to be fifty nine and a half or you get a ten percent penalty. Okay. Uh, typically, now they're going to waive that, so you can take out a hundred thousand in 2020 free from penalty, and then you can. So you still have to pay income tax on it, but then you can either you you have the ability to basically pay it back. I think over like a three year period, or or if you don't pay it back, you you pay the income tax over a three year period. Okay. So again, kind of spreading that out, giving you a chance to to use it, yep. but not. So that's, gotcha. that's pretty important. Uh, the other thing is, uh, we didn't talk about this last time, the required minimum distribution. You know, if you're over age 70 and a half now, I think it's going to be age 72 with a law they just passed not too long ago. But you know, you've got to pull money out of your retirement account, right? Every year, they're going to not make that a requirement for 2020. So you do not have to pull money out of your retirement account. And I think the idea there is, right, if, you're, if the balance in your account's down, it's kind of forcing you to sell out, I guess. That's something. Um, they did put in a $300 above the line uh, charitable donation. So even if you don't itemize, you can, you know, deduct $300 for, for charities. 
you know, whereas before it might take, you know, say 10 or $15,000 of charitable deductions, depending on what else you had going on to, in order to benefit. Now, basically everyone can get a $300 kind of above the line deduction that's for 2020 and beyond. So, so that'll be something. So it's kind of a little bit like the teacher, you know, if you're familiar with, there's the teacher deduction of $250. If you, you know, a lot of teachers spend, you know, their own money on supplies and things for the students. You can deduct 250 bucks above the line. This is a $300 deduction for donations. Okay. There's something about if employers are actually able to pay off employee a student loan debt to the tune of about 5,000 bucks and it would be not, it would be tax free. So an employer can pay off an employee's student loan debt, kind of pay it on, pay it on their behalf in effect mm-hmm. and up to $5,250. And it's, it, it's not treated as taxable income to the, the employee. employee. Yeah. yeah. Does so. the employer get some kind of, I mean, they can write it off on their taxes, I guess. Yeah, they should be able to write it off. Um, there was a new, I, I'm not sure I knew this, there was something that said you can pay, you know, a certain amount of money, you know, employers can pay money, right, for uh, continuing education or more of like, say you want to get a master's degree or something. Mm-hmm. And so the, that it kind of uh, piggybacks on that on that rule. And I, and I think you may have to look at those combined. So there's some rules about net operating losses now. That if you, you know, so if you lose money in 2019 here in last year, sorry, or in 2020 this year, you can actually now carry those back and and get money back in prior years. And it looks like you can actually carry it back for up to five years. And it's, and I believe, yeah, it's, it's also 2018 losses. So for some reason you had 2018. So farmers, if you remember, you shouldn't remember this, but farmers had a five-year carryback rule Mm -hmm. and then everyone else was a two-year carryback rule historically well the tax reform kind of changed that and pretty much said you can't carry back a loss anymore except for farmers so this is look this is really putting everybody back to what farmers had a few years ago so you can carry back a loss five years and get tax back so that's there's another little rural deal with losses and then we did we've touched on a little bit the interest limitation rule where and again this generally applies to bigger businesses but basically you you were not able to deduct all of your interest um Although this this did apply, like to remember we talked about what a dealership, a farm equipment dealership, or car dealership had had application there it was pretty significant. Thirty um, percent of your earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation, or EBITDA, you know, you could only deduct interest to that point. Now they're saying we're going to make that fifty percent of EBITDA, so you know, allow you to deduct more of the interest. There is a special rule for partnerships, though, where it really doesn't impact your twenty nineteen return. But it, it's, it becomes a benefit in 2020 dealing with a carryover rule. So kind of tricky. But those are probably the main kind of tax highlights. Again, a lot of those we, we kind of at least touched on in some past podcasts. But it's just nice to see it in the 880-page bill. Right on. Good stuff. Well, Glenn, like always, man, you're, uh, you're out there getting after it every day watching over this, uh, this tax stuff for us here. So if folks want to reach out to you and get some more clarification on what's going on here, or uh, just have a general question about about what's going on with everything else in the world, what's the best way to get hold of you, Glenn? Yeah, it's best to call our office at uh, Heinold Banward. It's 309-694-4251. If you call and ask for me, it'll it'll ring to my cell phone. I'm you know working from home, as, as are most of our people. But, yeah, just give us a phone call. Uh, we'd be happy to chat. We're, we're looking at this for a lot of our clients. And and um, otherwise, you can always look me up on Twitter at Glenn Birnbaum is my handle. 
Right on. Well, Glenn Birnbaum, the tax watchdog, that's his new that's his new name now. So he's there you go. he's out there getting after it. And uh, make sure you check him out on uh, on his Twitter page. There's a lot of good information that comes out there with the rest of the tax guys that pop in there and, and chime in on what he's got to say. So, Glenn, thanks for being on the podcast, man. All right, Casey, thank you. All right, I'm Casey Seymour. Make sure you check me out on movingironllc.com. Also, all my social media pages out there, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at movingironllc. And also... Uh, kind of carry this stuff around with you folks i know there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of things are up in the air and the the economy is uh all going 100 miles an hour in all different directions but we're going to come through this and we're going to be good and and the market's going to come back and everybody's going to be uh going to be good again so keep that in mind as we get through this uh this trying period here but until next time i'm casey seymour with uh glenn burnbaum let's go move some iron folks Thanks, Casey and Glenn. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. And don't forget to head over to dealershipmindsummit.com to register for the 2020 Dealership Mind Summit in Omaha. And you can keep up with the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Glenn, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.